and welcome to an all new episode of Talking Foosball Extra, the Arschstick Edition, your source for all things Bundesliga 2 and lower league news. Yes, we are once again here to bring you all things from the most fantastic divisions of German football. Well, why follow the Bundesliga if you can be entertained, right? My name is Nick Wiltagen and joining me for the first time this season is my regular panel. And uh, first off, there's our refereeing expert, ground hopping expert, refereeing expert. I don't know what he isn't an expert in, and he's a St. Pauli super fan as well. It's Mike Krickemeyer. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm fantastic. Thanks, Nick. I'm really looking forward to this uh, episode. I was really wondering if we will continue because I'm the only guy who is left with his club in the Zweite Bundesliga, <laughs> more or less. I, I think we will discuss that later on. But it's true. You left me for different reasons, of course. Yeah, it's kind of sad because, I mean, the Bundesliga 2 was fun for Werder because we won matches. Which is not going to be the case as much in the Bundesliga, I tell you that. And anyways, my next uh, regular is Jasmine Baba, uh, Bundesliga 2 insider. But, Jasmine, what happened to you in Darmstadt? Darmstadt didn't have a lot of water for me, so we decided to go up north to Werder as well. So, yeah, I'm in Bremen too, so... Maybe we should start our own dream con- uh, podcast, Nick. Yes. On top. Yes. Who wouldn't love that? Um, <laughs> well, on today's episode, we'll be doing a Bundesliga 2 preview and we'll be summing up all the best transfers and we'll be exposed to loads and loads of egg on our faces. Well, at least me. Because we're giving our season predictions on the Bundesliga 2 and in part 2, there'll be some low league news and a bit of ground topping advice. So stay tuned for that. It's part one of Talking Foosball, the Ausstieg edition. So usually we start recording a season prediction before the season starts. That's how it works, right? But this time around, the season started so early because of a certain World Cup that I won't be mentioning an awful lot going forward. You know, I was still on vacation whilst the season started, so I I didn't have a chance to get us together, basically, before three match days, three full match days, and the first round of the DFB Pokal had been played. So this is kind of a preview then, but we do have to take into account that three matches have already been played in the Bundesliga 2. So anyways, uh, let's get going with our predictions. So first off, who are you guys picking for promotion. Jasmine, I'm going to start with you. Who are the three best sides in the Bundesliga at the end of the season? It is so difficult to pick out who this season because we don't have really a strong favourite like we did last season or two strong favourites. And of course, the only really big team this season has a reputation of not getting promoted. So it's made it really hard. And even with three games, it hasn't made it any easier. However, I'm still going for first place and second place is kind of the same chances for me. So I've gone Dusseldorf, then HSV, Hamburg, even though I think that will get a lot of laughs on for anyone listening to the podcast. And then for the third place, the playoff, I could not decide between Paderborn and Heidenheim. 
So Dusseldorf have a little bit of continuity with um, Daniel Toon, who started last season into this season. They didn't have a great pre-season. They didn't score any goals from open play. And they've looked a little weak coming into this. And they still suffer from the same weaknesses. But I still think they could have the strongest kind of team and just basis of playing. Despite the fact that a couple of really important players left the club, and I mean, there was actually a kerfuffle between Daniel Tiyun and Klaus Olofs in the press with Tiyun saying that he wasn't necessarily happy with the replacements he'd been getting so far. Oh, really? I missed that completely. <laughs> but anyways, Paderborn and uh, Heidenheim are also very uh, interesting picks. Um, Paderborn, uh, Lukas Kvasniaks is saying that... It, in today's kicker that uh, this is basically the strongest group of players I've ever been working with and Heidenheim has Frank Schmidt who's been you know Mr. Continuity in the Bundesliga too I mean how long has he been at Heidenheim I mean he's probably the longest serving coach in Germany right now Europe in Europe actually I I think in Europe wow I, I wouldn't be surprised because like England everyone's gone from Arsene Wenger days so that's Definitely, he's outserved any of them. Definitely in the Bundesliga as well. Giroud has retired in France. That's a while ago. Mm. I think he is. And I think everyone... I always have Heidenheim near the top. And especially, they normally push really hard. They're always hard to play, especially at home. And then they kind of fall away. But because of the that there's no real clear favourite. Everyone had probably put Hanover because of the money, well, not money, but the players that they were getting. That I don't see a better chance for someone like Heidenheim who has have a really strong foundation to suddenly be a really dark horse and just appear out of nowhere. But yeah, Paderborn have been great. They've already scored 10 goals, which is far more than any other team. And are playing really exciting, but they started like this last year too. <laughs> and Hanover helped them a lot in the last match. Anyways, yeah. Mike, what three teams have you picked? Well, first of all, of course, I do pick HSV simply because they are just the greatest club on earth. They will ever be the greatest club on earth. They don't make any mistakes. It's so calm around the club. They are just inside themselves they are all together just working for this one target to get the first promotion after 136 years of being a club and we all love that (laughs) (coughs) full stop second team fortuna düsseldorf um this could be a little bit boring because jasmine already told you all the reasons why i I strongly believe in daniel tune i think Letting him go at HSV was still one of the biggest failures from them. Hang on, you just said they don't make mistakes. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. correct. That was Um, the only one. And number three, um, I I could have picked Heidenheim, but I go for SC Paderborn just because they went in the summer to the USA and they invented the Paderborn in the USA song. So I I just, you need to love them for that. <clears throat> or not, uh, but that's my top three. <laughs> oh gosh, golly! My three picks. Uh, well, I've picked HSV in the top because simply because they they are the strongest team. 
I, you know, I mean, you've said a lot of nice things about Tim Walter in the past, Mike, but I do believe him to be a very good coach. Uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf was actually my second pick as well. Uh, rather boring here in place one and two for, for the three of us. But then, and, um, I, you know, I have to make a confession. I actually did season predictions, uh, for a Substack account, uh, the one run by Adam Khan. And I did that before the season, so I haven't diverged from those predictions since because I, you know, they're there for everyone to read, and I would look silly making other predictions simply because there have been three match days. So before the season, without any matches having been played, I was kind of blinded by all the players that Hanover have signed because there's Beshikov and there is uh, Louis Schaub. I mean, there's a lot of quality coming into that club, and I thought, yeah, Hanover 96. But, as I wrote in that article, on paper, this looks all good, but we're yet to see if this is going to work out practically. As it turns out, Stefan Leitl still has an awful lot of work to do. So, if he'll figure it out, we'll see about that. But anyways, Mike, uh, Martin Kind is once again in the news. He is uh, having a bit of an entanglement with Hanover 96. So, what happened there over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well... How much time do we have? I think the, the history started uh, when he took over uh, Hanover some years ago. Um, and he was, uh, yeah, a big, big, big sponsor. He, he brought them to Europe. Of course, you need to admit that. But ever since then, he do have a big clash with the Ultras. I think we talked about that a lot in, in the last season. And at the moment, he is just the chief of the management GmbH of Hanover, the EV, the, the club, told him to get away because there were some financial issues. I, I think they are not that dramatic, but they were looking for a reason to get rid of him. And now they took this reason, they tried to get rid of him, and on, I think... Thursday next week, I'm not sure, the 16th of April at least, um, they will meet on court and then they will decide how it will proceed with Hanover and Martin Kind. I think there are, well, probably two outcomes. Martin Kind will win or he will lose. Um, if he will win, that might have an impact on the 50 plus one rule because the, the club needs to be in charge and they need to have the control. And if the club now tells him to get away and the court will follow the discussion and decide that Martin Kind will not be sent away because he is still the leader of the management GmbH and the, the club has no control about that, that might uh, be something which is not in line with the 50 plus 1 rule. And this might have a big impact on the whole situation and might lead to further issues. The other way around, if Martin Kind will lose, that might be challenging for Hanover 96 as well, because it's not just his money that might disappear. It will also be the money of many, many other sponsors who are standing right behind him or beside him. And um, well, whatever the outcome is, I'm quite curious how this will continue. And I don't want to spoil you, but I don't think that they will end up in place three like you just told. 
Well, HSV, uh, they've also had a bit of unrest uh, over the summer, but that is somehow, has, has that been resolved, Jasmine? I have no idea. It just fell off the face of the earth. Um, so for people who missed, what is Jonas's Bolt's title? It's not sporting director, even though everyone thinks he's a sport. He's like director of football, the sport. Basically, the boss under the board members, but above the sporting director. He had a falling out last season with their actual sporting director, Mertzel, and basically stopped him working with the team last season as sporting director, which is really weird. And to be fair, it was such a weird sporting director kind of relationship because all you see on the TV, all you see on the bench is Jonas Bolt. So even I was surprised, I was like, that's not the sporting director. And there had been some some tension in the boardrooms of Hamburg to the point where they got rid of him a couple of weeks ago and in the same kind of um, situation in Hanover, they had to go to employment court to, and he was arguing that it was unlawful for him to be fired and the courts sided with Mertzel. And since then, I have not heard anything from it because he was supposed to get his job reinstated on that fact alone, but it, they kind of sweeped it under the carpet. I mean, you know, you can come into your office, but uh, don't expect to do any work. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the kind of situation last season, and it was seen that he did a good job during the summer on transfers and helping with transfers, which was why it was seen so weirdly. But what's happened now is that there's a new dispute between Jonas Bolt and one of the chairmen, Wusterfeld. So now there's... It's a bit like everyone's trying to go for power and Jonas Bolt seems like the only one who's quite disruptive to all players at the moment. Is Jonas Bolt the Bundesliga 2's version of Jörg Schmatke? No. I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, I mean, he he sort of clashes with with everyone around him. Well, I mean, Jörg Schmatke, you know, his favorite favorite hobby is to clash with his coaches. But uh, Jonas Bolt obviously hasn't done that a lot. I, but, like, uh, I mean, that level of conflict. Yeah, but I feel like it's everyone at Hamburg, whereas in Wolfsburg it was only Schmatke. Schmatke, it's all him, and yeah. Jonas Bolt, I think. Even though he likes the spotlight, I think he actually believes, like, he knows what's best. And he has done a lot. Okay, there's a lot of things he's done well, I would say. And I can't really argue with him a lot on the Mertzel thing because he seems so out of the spotlight for a sporting director and doesn't seem that there that I kind of side with him on that. So I can see some reasonings, but I think it's just Hamburg in general. Everything there is basically a trash fire right now with the financial situation about the stadium, apparently all of this. So yeah, and it, it, a new fight has broken out. So let's see how this one turns out. And maybe we'll get a few clarifications on the other fight from previously, because it seems to be a running theme at Hamburg right now. 
What this club needs is for Klaus Michael Kuhn to get more involved. <laughs> let's move on to relegation predictions. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Who have you predicted as the three teams to go down? Or, you know, yeah. one of them being in the playoff, the other two going down. <laughs> the one in the playoff is the SV Zandhausen. What? They never go down according to you. Correct. And one of the points why they never go down is because I predict them to go down every single season. So it's just an agreement between the club and myself. And uh, it works very good for the last couple of years. So I, well, I should have placed them on place 17 or 18, but well, they, they go down to the relegation game and then they can play, I don't know, 1860 or something. And they will definitely stay in the league, but I need to mention them here at this point. Then two teams from Niedersachsen, from Laos Saxony. First of all, Eintracht Braunschweig. That shouldn't be a big surprise. I think it's on the list of many who do kinds of predictions like we do. And then I will repeat a name that we have heard in this episode already. I think that Hanover will go down. And when we come to our surprise predictions later on, I will explain to you how exactly they do that. All right. Um, I mean, there's a big gap between 3rd and 18th. So um, <laughs> let's see where they end up. But, you know, having watched the first three match days, I think I'm probably the one having egg on the face at the end of the season there. Anyways, my three teams to go down. I've picked Hansa Rostock in 16th. I mean, for me, they were actually one of many teams that could have ended up in that spot. But I do think that... A lot of the players that have left them are not going to, haven't been replaced adequately, especially Hanno Behrens. I think he's an underrated player. So I think they, they have a fair chance of actually being in that spot. Uh, then in 17th, I've picked Eintracht Braunschweig as well. And in 18th, and again, let me just say, I made those predictions at the start of the season, before the season started. I actually picked Jan Regensburg <laughs> uh, because I watched them in the Rückrunde and I thought they were absolutely abhorrent. Anyways, and now they've started with, uh, what was it, seven points from three matches? Only one of the only unbeaten teams in the Bundesliga 2. So that doesn't look too good for me right now. But um, one can hope that the Rückrunde they had last season uh, is going to be repeated as well. Anyways, Jasmine, uh, who are your three picks? Well, in the 16th place, I have like seven teams at the moment. I cannot decide. Like you, I had Hansa Rostock, and I think second se uh, season syndrome hits hard, so they are one of the ones that could be in that relegation playoff. Hanover, another one, they look horrible. You've got Fur and Bielefeld absolutely underperforming. They just don't look good. They don't look like how they can win, which is really surprising because I really liked Bielefeld's preseason. They beat some really big teams playing really good football. However, that football might not suit the second Bundesliga, so I really can't decide. I think for now, and I also have Regensburg in there. I think last season's Rückrunde was not a fluke. It was bad. They've lost quality players. And yeah, they also could just suddenly turn Kaiserslautern another. They're uh, along with Regensburg, unbeaten, seven points, two wins and a draw. Um, they were one of my predictions. I don't think they were. I said they might be fighting relegation, but I could expect their football to surprise Benny. I think. It was 
Tim Eckestein's tweet that said, you don't play against Dirk Schuster's team, you play against Dirk Schuster himself, which is seeing him in the relegation playoff last year against Dinamo Dresden, him coming up to the away crowd, giving it all a bit of welly and some fists up just before pre-game, you're definitely playing against him, so I'm not really surprised, but can also still see them go down. In 17th, I've got two completely nailed on ones though. 17th, I have Karlsruhe. We talk about bad teams, um, but they have looked bad for a while, but still managed to get like mid-table. But now they've lost Hoffman, their top scorer and probably top assister from last season. I don't know where the goals are coming from. They just are boring. When I wrote my um, season, like looking on every club, I only gave them 127 words. I don't like them at all. And they've kind of proved me right so far with three losses. And bottom of the table, I think I have to go Eintracht Braunschweig because it's always Eintracht Braunschweig, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Eintracht Braunschweig are really um, the one team that everyone has picked. Uh, so, well, actually, they've been the main elevator side of the last 10, 11 years, I think. Or the last 20 years. I think they've gone up or down 11 times in the last 20 years, which is a record uh, in that period of time. So, yes, you just expect them to go back down anyways. Uh, so the best transfers, uh, let me start. I think the best transfer, which has sort of gone a little bit under the radar, uh, the best transfer of, of the summer was actually Jan Niklas Bester from Heidenheim. He came from Werder Bremen. He played at Jan Regensburg last season. Absolutely terrific player at this level. I think he is destined to become a Bundesliga player at some point. Uh, great signing by, by Heidenheim. Uh, once again, a quality player on the cheap, not being expensive in terms of the wages that he demands. Great find. Horvat Nilsson, who arrived from uh, Greutherford at Hanover 96, I think he's a player that could easily score 10 to 15 goals at this level and uh, maybe, just maybe, prevent Hanover from finishing last. And then I think Christoph Tefana, who's arrived at Nuremberg from Dynamo Dresden, is uh, also a great signing. I mean, he played at a side that was relegated last season and scored 13 goals. So it's going to be exciting to see what he can do with better players around him. Anyways, Jasmine, who have you picked? I have to agree with you with Jan Nicholas Buster, who was great for Regensburg and last season. Elsewhere, I have Remsford Jeboa Koenigstoffer, who came from Dynamo Dresden, a great little technical uh, forward. Well, the only thing is, he's not the most clinical, and HSV need clinical players. But he's only 20, he has a great gifted talent, especially just dribbling through players in a great directness. So I really hope to see more of him. He's got two goals in the DFB Pokal, so hopefully he is getting more of that clinical ability. My most favourite one, though, has been Quadwo Dua from uh, Nuremberg. He joined from St. Gallen in Switzerland. And he is so technical, so fast. He suits that kind of very counter-attacking, high-intensity and pressing football that we see lots of in German football. And he's already scored goals. He looks fantastic. He looks faster than... I think he's already got registered the fastest 
top speed and fastest sprint in the league. And then also Paderborn went to absolute town signing three of Magdeburg's players and out of all of them, Sir Lord Conte, one for the name Sir Lord and two because of his ability, kind of similar profile to Quadro Dua, very fast, a little bit less direct and a little bit more technical than Quadro Dua, but same sort of intensity and gives Paderborn a real nice edge to their game. Yeah, I watched him uh, against Hanover uh, last weekend, and I have to say it was an absolute menace. Uh, Mike, your picks. Yeah, if I have proven anything in the last 1910 episodes of Talking Fußball, then I don't have a clue on football, and I, I'm not really interested in players and so on. So the one thing I really liked the most in the summer transfer period was the reunion of the Kinzombie brothers at Sandhausen. So I really like that. I do hope that they will find a good, well, a good way to play together. And they did in the first three games already. And so, um, yeah, I really do like that. And to be honest, one probably, well, it's not a secret, but but I do really like um, Betim Fasli, who joined St. Pauli from Switzerland. And um, yeah, well, maybe he can also be a surprise. It, it was not shown in the first two or three games, but I'm really looking forward to see more of him. All right. You talked about surprises anyways. Uh, let's do our surprise prediction of the season. Jasmine, I'm going to start with you. What's going to be very surprising this year? What, what's going to happen? I can see in the notes that you were going to pick the same thing I did. So I'm going to leave you to explain that one. And then I can cut in and interject after you explain your one, because I'm not going to steal your only surprise. I think Karlsruhe going down was one of my would-be surprised surprises before the season started. But now it doesn't look as surprising. I guess my surprise prediction would be for Bielefeld or Hanover needing new coaches soon. Well... Already. There you go. Um, Bielefeld's coach being left to social media again. Probably not a good thing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it for yourself. I'm not going to explain it. Anyways, Mike, uh, what is your surprise prediction? <laughs> yeah, I told you already that Hanover 96 will not play in League 2 next year. And um, other than Nick, I don't expect them to play in the first division neither. So... so I think they will go down and they probably go down because they end up in the last two places, but they might also go down because, well, they will lose the license to play in the Zweite Bundesliga due to financial issues after Martin Kind is finally on his way back to his home. And um, yeah, they, they might struggle with that. They might end up in League 3 or 4 next year. So um, yeah, that's my bold prediction. Well, my bold prediction is for Darmstadt. Once again, I did that bold prediction at the start of the season before those three matches were put, but my prediction was that Darmstadt is going to fire Thorsten Lieberknecht because the results the team is going to achieve under him are not going to be good enough. And, well, it sounds surprising because the club just extended Lieberknecht's contract until 2025. But I think the thing with Lieberknecht is that teams do tire of him. I think he has an ability to, um, you know, create enthusiasm from the get-go, but that is, you know, I mean, he is lacking a bit in sort of tactical nuances and stuff like that, a bit. And um, additionally, 
I think he doesn't have a team that is as good as the one he had last season because a lot of players have left. And I don't think that they've been replaced adequately. Um, so I think with a team tiring of Lieberknecht, with the players coming in not being as good as the players they had last season, yeah, I think Darmstadt are going to struggle this season. And they just won against Braunschweig, so fair enough. They've, they've six points from the th- first three matches. But um, let's keep in mind that the first three matches are not an accurate depiction of how the league is going to turn out at the end of the season. Because right now I think we have like... 13 teams within the space of three points or something yeah and i have to i mean that was also my prediction i didn't say it so bluntly on my kind of when i was writing this all up but um i did say they would to struggle to start and i think a longer contract always is normally the nail in the coffin especially that long you don't normally see those kind of extensions i think also one of my gripes is with Torsten Lieberknecht, he's never really shown that if a team starts to go on a bad run, he can get them out of it. He normally just crashes. And I would not be surprised. And they only just won against Eintracht Braunschweig. Wilhelmsen with an absolutely ice-cold goal in like the final 10 minutes, just lobbing over the keeper to make it 1-0 isn't going to be enough and that's not going to save you every time that paired with injuries as you said the squad's light i definitely have to agree with you on that one way finally we agree on something other than the head of an itc oh hang on anyways (laughs) i think this is it for part one, now that you've heard predictions that range from Hanover being promoted to them getting relegated in last, all that is left to do is for you to watch the entire season because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen anyways. In part two, we'll be back uh, with uh, lower league news and some ground hopping advice, so stay tuned for that. Yes, the lower leagues, they always provide us with a smile on our faces and some of the greatest news items there are. And, well, um, let's start with 1860 Munich and their fans. And, well, their fans, they did send a message to the club uh, on during the match against Oldenburg last uh, weekend, uh, a match that 1860 won 1-0, I think. But, Jasmine, uh, tell me, there was a really great insult uh, being thrown out and there is a bit of an argument going on between the fans and the club. So what's that all about? So between 1860, the club, and their fans, someone might have to help me with the organisational setup because no matter no matter how many times I'm explained that Hanover 96 with Martin Kind or any of these, I always struggle to understand. So Munich have their company, which is basically the first team company which owns all the trademark rights and for merchandising, which is basically all theirs. But they were seen to have stolen motifs of the fanzine to use under their own club's merchandise. So the fans were pretty pissed at that but what made it worse is that 
after they were sued for using the club crest on fan articles the fans were fearing basically backlash from the club but instead of the club wanting to de-escalate any situations any tensions between fans and the club they said oh these are the rules with make sure you don't basically break the rules and the fans didn't take that so so well they basically want the head of the merchandising the person who basically puts this all in motion gone for doing such a thing and stealing that so they turned up in protest at the Oldenburg game with verklagen's doch du Luftpumper which means sue us you air pump now the insult air pump is basically someone who uses a lot of blows out a lot of air without actually doing anything like a useless air vessel probably to say that this guy the head of the merchandising arm who said this and wants this to go is probably just taking orders from higher up and his name is Anthony Power which is a hilarious name for any of this but yeah the fact that the fans don't feel like they can use any of the club's stuff without um, conviction but then also has any of their designs taken from the club itself to be sold on as merchandise so it's instead of any kind of settlement between fans and clubs it's gone quite nasty there and it's such a stupid thing because Athens Exodus fans are so well known and the kind of things that have gone on with the club the fans have always been there so for them to be treated that way and not found a solution from the club side is really really sad yeah it's, uh, it's all a bit silly so all the best to the fans and um, well let's see what's going to happen with the air pump at the offices at 1860 munich anyways uh, the deep people call the first round has been played except for Bayern and Leipzig's matches because Bayern played a match against Leipzig, a pointless match. So these two teams are going to play their matches at the end of the month. So we don't can we cannot tell you who's going to face each other in the second round. But what we can tell you is that Albersburg surprised the entire world by beating Bayer Leverkusen. Way. Anyways, and there were some great couriers. There were some great couriers. Uh, Mike, do you have any favorites from you know the first round of the DFB Pokal? Well, to be honest, I followed St. Pauli to Duisburg, where they played the SV Strahlen. Um, and it was a big surprise. We managed to get to the next round. You, we usually do, don't do that. Yeah, but again, we, we did it this year. So, you barely uh, did, yes. You, you struggled quite a lot. You glossed over that part. This is also the reason why I haven't seen that many choreos. But I can bring in the fact that one of the games you already mentioned, Teutonia Ottensen versus uh, RB Leipzig, this will be played in Dessau. You may not have heard the city name of Dessau, um, but even if you did, you probably know that this is not in Hamburg like Teutonia Ottensen is usually based. It's close to Leipzig and the reason for this is that Teutonia Ottensen they are not the same shit as RB Leipzig but they are pretty much similar to that 
They were uh, sponsored by a big Russian company until some weeks ago. So no one in Hamburg likes them. They do play in the Regionalliga. And um, for the game against Leipzig, they asked, first of all, FC St. Pauli to play at the Milan Tour. And St. Pauli denied that. They did not go to the press. They just informed Teutonia that they will not let them play there because St. Pauli stands for certain values and they don't want Leipzig to play in the Milan Tour and so on. But Teutonia went to the press and gave this to, for example, the Abendblatt uh, media. And so this went uh, public. And um, it was a huge discussion after that. How could St. Pauli act like this and so on? And uh, in the end, they will now play close to Leipzig. Um, they also asked uh, HSV. I think they also asked Lübeck, which is also 80, 90 kilometers away from Hamburg. Yeah, but in the end, they more or less go to Leipzig or close to Leipzig to play that game. But I'm sorry, this was not the answer to your question, but I don't have any insights on Corios in the first round. Well, okay, I can give you my favorite one, and that's the one that the Bremer SV fans had at the match against Schalke. Um, the Bremer SV, a uh, club from Bremen, uh, got promoted, and, um, well, their courier just, was just a white banner reading. Uh, we didn't have enough money to do a choreo because we've been drinking it all up because we got promoted, which is just top-notch. Do love a good choreo. Well, uh, the DFB Pokal also caused a bit of controversy then, and that wasn't due to choreos, that was because uh, all matches kicked off one minute later. Uh, Jasmine, can you explain me why that was? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I, well, I can't explain why they thought this was like an idea. But it was uh, a campaign for climate protection awareness. And um, yeah, so they were all kicked off one minute later. It felt like the DFB was a part of a group project and had to submit something before the last five minutes and just went, oh, we'll put it one minute later. So yeah, that's what that was all about, which I didn't even know. Apparently everyone else did, not me. I don't know if everyone else did. I certainly didn't. But there was other fundraising campaigns from DFB. Apparently every goal scored on the day of the campaign, 100 euros would be donated to the campaign with um, DFB then doubling the sum. The money going to non-profit organizations, and um, ones that especially support climate protection projects. Then there were a few guidelines, so it was even like, oh, clubs should offer vegan or vegetarian alternatives on the game days, and according to the DFB, some clubs are also implementing additional projects, and then there are a few clubs that go ahead and beyond, um, a lot more than DFB, just saying, ah, games are one one minute later but i didn't as, as much as i didn't even hear why the reason was for one minute later until a couple of days later me going oh that's weird i didn't also not hear any backlash but i can imagine what the backlash is from my own comments if i think that's a silly idea for awareness well i mean there were choreos and, and that's why i started fishing for choreos because there were several choreos mentioning the fact that the dfb team is living in dubai um. uh, during the world cup in qatar which means that they're flying quite a lot back and forth and uh 
you know, I mean, is there any other, is, you know, what, what is the most, you know, carbon heavy way of traveling? The private well, it's, jet. It's the airplane. The private jet. So, and additionally, collecting a bunch of multimillionaires and flying them back and forth to matches at least three times and traveling around the half, half the globe is counterproductive if you want to protect the climate. And additionally, if you, you know, talk, talk about protecting the climate, it's kind of strange to hear that uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, uh, the head of, uh, one of the heads of the DFL right now, saying that, you know, Bundesliga teams, they need to get out there. They need to travel to the USA. They need to travel to Asia. They, you know, they need to, they need to get on those aeroplanes and travel all around the world and, you know, have training camps here and there. And, uh, yeah, so how is that for protecting the environment? And there were some very funny discussions after that match day because, for example, the, the game I just mentioned, SV Strahlen versus St. Pauli, started at 1 p.m. The sun was shining a lot that day and the floodlights were on just because of the TV. So you don't need to talk about climate change if you do stupid things like that. So I agree with everything Jasmine just said. It's a pointless... Um, action day and uh, everything was just to get some probably good headlines but it turned out bad yes it did anyways uh, time for some ground topping advice mike so where are you going to take us this time around yeah i was in berlin this weekend because i was refereeing the blind football bundesliga and this reminded me of a stadium i really really like so it's the official name is G Arena Hans Zoschke and everyone in Berlin all, only calls it Zoschke and uh, it's the stadium of Lichtenberg 47 they do play in the Regionalliga and um, it's called after Hans Zoschke he was a resistance fighter in World War II and he was sentenced to death with four others among them is Werner Seelenbinder and maybe you have heard that name also because the pitch of Tasmania Berlin is called after Werner Seelenbinder it's the Werner Seelenbinder Sportpark and the Zoschke is a really really nice old ground in Berlin it was built in uh, around 1950s and um, it has some steps and terraces all around it uh, you don't see that that often nowadays in germany and it has 900 seats and in total a capacity of nearly 10,000 so uh, if you ever plan to go to berlin make sure that you go to the Zoschke. One thing that is really, really important to know, it's in the middle of Lichtenberg uh, district and it's quite on the other side of the street of the Stasi Memorial. So uh, the Staatssicherheit, um, I don't know the English word for that. So what is it called? The Stasi? I, I don't know. I mean, this is, is Stasi also in English? Yeah, it's Stasi in English. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they, they do have a very, very big building uh, on the other side of the street. So if you visit that building on a weekday, you can go to the Zoschke on the weekend. That's a good plan to do for Berlin. Excellent. Some uh, East German history and suppression and some football. Always a lovely weekend. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I think this is it for this very first episode of the season. Always a delight to have you guys on. Before I let you go, uh, guys, you should tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter. And I'm going to start with you, Mike. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter on Mike Cru, but you better follow the Milan tone. 
Yes, you should. Uh, Jasmine? Yep, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jasmine Barber, where you can ask me what was on Ulu40's Twitter likes before it got deleted. There are some screenshots. Anyways, you can follow me at Norm Musings. You can follow the podcast at Talking Foosball. Uh, just a quick reminder, uh, this season we actually do have a new Patreon series going up on to Patreon. The Match Day Moment series, it is back. And we've already uh, released the first Match Day Moment. And, you know, that is going to be released throughout the entire season. So if you have the time and you don't mind to, you know, part with three dollars each month, go over to Patreon and sign up for the Talking Football Patreon account. Well, this episode has been produced by Aiden Rantil, as always. And next on this channel is Talking Football Direct. Until then, until next week, it is goodbye for now.